0: Welcome all you creatures of the night and late night prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slasher screams and squeals, and all the things which conjure up your nightmare. To be afraid is accepted, but it won't save you from the dangers which leer right over your shoulder and breathe down your neck. When the lights are out and the night is still, the beating of your heart will give away your hiding place. It will find you, and it will not be forgiving. This
1: is... It records. (laughs) Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! Let the power of Christ compels you! It's a lie! It's a lie! It's a lie! It's a a lie! Don't you blame the movies! Movies don't create psychos!
2: What's blood for? If not for shit,
1: I'm your number
2: one fan. We all go a little mad sometimes.
0: And welcome back to your favorite horror movie podcast. That's right. We are back. I have emerged from the shadows. I am one of your hosts of the It Records podcast. Thank you, Creatures of the Night and Creatures of the Day. Thanks for for stopping by. We appreciate it. Um, But I am joined as always with the ever-charming, the magnanimous, the benevolent, the... I don't know. you don't have any more adjectives, but Lindsay Clark and Peter Hansen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining me.
2: It's good to be back. I think you have us here against our will, because every time I try uh, leaving, Ooh. I just end up back here. It's like I'm in purgatory.
0: Interesting.
2: i got some yeah. sort of spell over <laughs>
0: you guys, that you're just here at my yeah. will.
2: I literally... I literally was going to say that you you have me some kind of spell on me. (laughs) Interesting.
0: I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I'll take it. It adds some new lore to the podcast, I guess. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You're a witch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Well, whether they are here of their own volition or I have cast some sort of spell against them, we are back nonetheless. And we are glad to be here, or at least I am. Again, can't speak for them. Might be here against their will. (laughs) But before we kind of launch into our weekly episode, or monthly episode, whenever you're getting to us, what have you guys been watching, horror or otherwise? What's been on the docket?
1: Welcome to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Watching them.
0: I'm gonna go alphabetically. Lindsay, what are you watching?
3: <laughs> okay, so I haven't had a whole lot of time for TV in the last few weeks, but I um, will talk to literally anybody about what's going on with the royal family. Um, I haven't had time to watch the full interview yet. I started watching a little bit before we just started recording, but I am extremely interested in the Meghan and Harry interview with Oprah, so I'm going to watch that soon. I'm going to let you guys know what I think, and then we can talk about it whether you watch it or, you know, you don't have to either, but um, (laughs) that's mainly what I've been thinking about this week, so um, the anticipation of watching the interview.
2: All right. I have not watched it. Um, you guys
3: got any thoughts on that or
2: I haven't watched it either, <laughs> but I did see like Piers Morgan like freak out on like how he like got fired, I think, from Good Morning Britain or whatever, and where he was just like being a fucking baby, where he was just like someone called him out and they were I don't even know what the guy's name was, but he was being very critical of him, but like in a very like manner of factly way. Like he wasn't he was saying facts about Piers Morgan, and he's like, I can't stand this, I I can't, and he was just like, the dude was so calm, and just, (laughs) he's just saying things, and then he's just like, I can't listen, like, being such a baby, and I was just like, wow. It was, like, pathetic, honestly, to see such, like, a grown man cry about nothing. Yeah, it seemed like the reaction was a bit dramatic, but,
3: uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of nuance to both sides. I'm sure that there's stuff on both sides, but um, yeah, I've been uh, very focused on it. So that's about it, though. Haven't had a lot of much time for anything else um, as of late. But uh, So if mm-hmm. we're going in alphabetical Ooh, order, okay. then that brings us to you, well, Matt. So I've been watching. What Pretty have question. you been watching?
0: A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I have Rashomon on the docket to watch soon. I haven't watched it, but I'll be watching it this weekend. Nice. I recently watched... Okay. What film did I just watch? Last weekend. Oh, uh, Persopolis, I believe is the name of it. It's the Iranian film based on the graphic novel. Came out in like 2005 or so. It's really good. Yeah, it's been several years since I've watched that one. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting film. Yeah, I'd That's a really good people. movie. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's fairly easy to find. I own a copy of it, so it was very easy to find for me. Uh, I just had to go over to my movie collection.
2: Yeah.
0: Those are the two movies uh, that I've been, been watching that I can I can recollect right off the top of my head.
2: Did you log them? No.
0: Did no, log them on Letterboxd that I need to that
2: do I made that. You get? I also <laughs> just
0: recently watched The Entity, which is horror-related, and I can put that on uh, Letterboxd. Has have either of you seen The Entity? Nineteen eighty
2: three, nineteen eighty two. We did we not do it for the podcast?
0: We have not done it for the podcast.
2: Have not. Oh, oh! I see what happened. I did it for my Halloween movie marathon. That's why I watched it recently.
0: I'm sure we've mentioned it, or like in some mini episode or something, but
2: I definitely have.
0: That's a good one. It was. It's. You can watch it on Amazon Prime if you have the Star's subscription. Otherwise, you have to pay for it. It was, it was hard to find other than that. through
2: Yes, yes it is.
0: Through the Star's subscription. But it's available. I've been watching those movies. I watched The Changeling not too long ago as well. That's horror-related. A Nightmare Wakes. That is a horror-esque movie. It is about the life of Mary Shelley as she's writing Frankenstein.
2: Oh, that's cool. And I really
0: need to get into that Crystal Lake documentary on Shutter, which is like four hours long about the making of the Friday the 13th franchise. Super excited for that.
2: I mean, sign me up. I, <laughs> I think you mentioned this last time we recorded because I did. think I brought up the, the Nightmare on Elm Street four hour documentary.
0: Yeah. I think it's the same people I thought, uh, but I still haven't cracked it open because it is daunting. It's four hours um, but I am excited, to, to watch
2: that. Just just do it in, like, one-hour increments.
0: <laughs> For real, yeah, I'll have it's to. It's like
2: watching it, just watch it. Sh- or it's like, you know, like, when you, like, binge-watch a show, you're like, oh, I can't watch a three-hour movie, but let me watch this six-episode limited series all in one go.
0: Yep. <laughs> it's because you get the breaks in between or, like, the the end. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It, it's, it has a whole the arc pa- The
2: pacing is different.
0: That's true. I think I did that. But it's or
3: digestible. I yeah, guess.
0: this this will kinda of round out mine. One, I've watched I've been starting to rewatch Always Sunny in Philadelphia from the start. It's been a while since I've watched that show. Oh wow. But to our point of I don't want to watch this four hour movie, but I'll watch this whole series. I did that with Survivor Heroes vs. Villains on Netflix, where I was like, I'm tired, I'm gonna go to bed But you know, I haven't watched Survivor in a while, I'll put it on. I'm like great in, I'm great down season. to like the final four by the time I actually turned off the TV, and I, it's is like it, uh,
2: wait two in it's, the morning. Uh, <laughs> I, is it Amanda? It's Amanda, right? Poverty, Sere, right?
0: They're on that show, yeah, but not in the final four. Um, in Heroes vs. Villains, Poverty's there, correct? Um, Russell. The- oh, that's
2: right. I was thinking of I was thinking of fans versus favorites final four. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was saying.
0: Yeah, but that, that rounds yeah, up my hours. movies, and I think it, that'll lead me into Pete, who I, I don't know if he's finished Survivor, but when we last left off, Pete was deep into a Survivor marathon.
2: Yeah. Yes, where are we at? I'm on Blood versus Water, if you okay. recall that season. Yeah. It's, uh, Tyson is back. Uh, Jervis is back from Season 1. Um, Tina is back from Season 2. Ooh, Tina. Um, okay.
0: Wasn't Canada she also was in like the winners, day. the winners season, whatever that was called? Not that i um, completely matters, but
2: I, I mean, hopefully not that one because there's the newest one, which is Winners at War, and I don't know oh, who wins that one.
0: That's what I'm thinking of. Okay, gotcha. I don't think she
2: wins <laughs> don't it. Spoil it, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I know she's on All Stars, and I know she, I know she gets voted out pretty early in that one because that was like. The second season I watched Because I Courtney watched it before me And then I jumped in On like season seven Okay And then uh, So Another show that we watch The Masked Singer Great show It's back Uh, The first episode I believe Aired yesterday And we started We watched like part of the episode already We gotta finish it Because Can't have any spoilers for that show no,
0: that's the whole point. Um, They're masks. Huh. You don't. You no. can't have the spoilers. It ruins the have show. Have you watched
2: it? Have you watched it at all?
0: I have not. Not nothing more than the commercials that I see.
2: I would watch. I would recommend watching it with your significant other. It's like a fun one to watch with them because like you kind of like have your own guesses and you're like you're always shocked every time. It's fun. Um, what else have I been watching? Love that. Uh, I watched all of WandaVision, which was great. Oh, I l- loved that show.
0: I'd like to redact the record and say, I as well have watched all of WandaVision, and that did eat up a lot of my time. And restarted the Marvel Universe. So, okay, I will let the floor back to you, but that's what I've also <laughs> been watching.
2: And in the four movies that I've watched recently was The Meg uh, with Jason Statham. Of course. The, giant, yeah. shark, the giant, giant Shark movie. <laughs> You know, that was a mediocre movie. I I expected bet- better because it's like, if you have a giant shark movie, I need some more giant shark moments. They're um, all trying to beat Godzilla. Jaws, and
0: it's just super hard. It's Yeah,
2: like, it's hard to beat it.
0: Yeah. Deep Blue Sea tried to make smart sharks. Smart sharks? Smart sharks. Smart sharks. And it was okay. Meg, Big yeah. Shark,
2: okay. Yeah. Uh, then I watched Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the the newest one. Gotcha. Uh, not 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 the one from the sixties. But um, not
0: that was. Cr- that's like the there was Godzilla, and this is the second one. But then, like first yeah. song is coming up, right? Not.
2: Yeah, that one's this one. That one's coming out March thirty first. Okay. And I'm definitely gonna watch it because I love Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I watched Tom and Jerry, the new movie that came out. Nice on HBO Max. How was that? And then uh, Detective Pikachu was the other movie I watched. Well, a shout-out...
0: Out, I'm sorry, finish, finish it up.
2: I was going to say, which I was a fan of because I like Pokemon.
0: Ditto. Ditto. But I was going to say a shout-out, as you mentioned Godzilla, the first one of the remakes uh, has Wanda from WandaVision, Elizabeth uh, Olsen, but... The director of that was a uh, he did the movie Monsters that we it was like one of our earliest episodes on this podcast.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. He did two the monsters. I forgot about that.
0: And that's 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 sort of more of an independent low budget horror movie. Um, but he, I think
2: that was the reason why we did Monsters, wasn't it?
0: I think that was around the time Godzilla came out. Yeah, and so we it was actually before it because we were applauding like what he made special effects in Monsters from like Adobe was it effects?
2: Yeah, yeah he did like a crazy good job with like, yeah, I think it was Adobe, Mm -hmm. uh, after effects and it made him like look really good. But just that's, you know, little program by himself.
1: (laughs) Right.
0: And that resume got him Godzilla. (laughs) Well, fantastic. That's what we've been watching. You know what? Let us know what you're watching. Hit, Hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, in the comments section. If you want, we'll read them. We'll look at them. Uh, we appreciate your feedback. But we also watched a different movie this week. We watched uh, a Wes Craven film. If you are just coming to the podcast, right now we are smack dab in the middle of our Wes Craven trilogy. That's kind of a series we've been doing where we watch three movies of a certain subgenre, a certain director. And we're kind of just talking about their their techniques, their their influence, their style. Um, And right now, we are doing three Wes Craven films. The one we did last week was 1977's The Hills Have Eyes, one of his first ones, uh, besides The Last House on the Left. And this week, we are going to 2005 with the film Red Eye. It's about a woman who was kidnapped by a stranger on a routine flight for a red eye. Uh, and she's threatened by the potential murder of her father, so she's pulled into a plot to assist the captor and potential political assassination. That is Red Eye. That is a West Craven joint. And I believe this was Lindsay's pick for Lindsay. Any particular reason?
3: That's right for a West Craven
0: selection. Nah, of course, why West Craven? But why, <laughs> why Red Eye?
3: So the main reason is that I had it on DVD. Um,
0: <laughs> Solid reason. But
3: I, yeah, like this was 2005. So Rachel McAdams, I've always really, you know, liked her. She was really hitting her stride back then, you know, writing it hot on the success of Mean Girls and The Notebook, like two huge movies in 2004 um, that really launched her career. Um, so, yeah, this was a follow-up the following summer. Um like I said, I I liked what I had seen of hers at that time. Um, I this is the second time I've watched it, so it's been a long time, um, but it fit in perfectly with um, you know our West Craven unit. And this is you know it's more of a thriller um, as far as genre, so I thought it would be a good pick.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point about Rachel McAdams. I didn't really think about it while I was watching it until afterwards and I was doing some research where she wasn't as big at this point like as we all know her now it's been several years, it's been what 16 years since this movie but yeah she was relatively new like on her rise when Red Eye was released
1: mm-hmm.
0: even so Cillian Murphy's coming off of That Man Begins where he was the villain and our one of our previous movies uh 20 Days Later which we just did which was only a few years prior to this movie mm-hmm. I'm going to Killian Murphy kick. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And I would just throw it to you guys. Had we all seen this prior to the viewing today?
1: Lindsay yes, owns it so I, I can have. assume
0: she's, she's seen it before. Yeah. Unless she found it in like a dollar bin and just picked it up because imp- impulse value buy.
3: Nope. That's uh, <laughs> not what happened. Had you seen it before, Matt?
0: I had. I saw it. Probably, it's been years since I've watched it, but I I saw it around two thousand and five, two thousand and six when it came out. And I remember a lot of people liking it and like wanting to go see it, or people I was hanging out with at least. So I, I remember seeing it uh, around the time it came out.
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: I, it's been years since I've seen it, but it's always prevalent in my mind for sure. As as a West Craven, you know, honestly, you know, I always think of it. Uh, you know, she's done a lot of classic horror films, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, this one does always stick out more, more so than others. Maybe because I was growing up around the time it came out too. So that's, I'm cognizant yes, of it. Yes, we were very young. We were probably on the, what, the foothills or of high school. We were probably in grade school when this came out. We were one of the, probably that.
3: When this movie came out, we could barely see it in theaters, like legally.
0: Yeah, you had to just sneak in, which I miss movie theaters. I know they're opening up, but right. That, that, and it's interesting you say that, too, because I I always forget. I know Rachel McAdams now, and I was just kind of curious. I'm not curious, but I always forget that around this time she was becoming big, I guess, where it was Mean Girls and this and this movie, as you said. And The Family Stone. I forgot The Family Stone. I that's one I usually frequent around the holidays. I'd recommend it. I think it was kind of the the start of a lot of movies that had that same idea, where it's just kind of like a family around Christmas. Like I, it was just like a simple—they're coming home for Christmas—and like you know, there's a plot to it, but it it was just kind of a simple movie of a family coming home and being with each other for the holidays, and it was nice. Um, and then a bunch of other ones like that came out afterwards. I felt like.
3: Mm-hmm. big
0: ensemble cast movies like yep. that mm-hmm. but this isn't a Christmas podcast this is a horror movie podcast let's get into these scares uh, Lindsay we know have seen it but Pete I was curious have you seen this before or is this your first viewing of Red Eye
2: this is my second viewing of Red Eye uh, my first actually was within the last year as it was always on my list uh, to watch. Yeah, because I was craven. And... <laughs> and I've, I, finally, I I finally... And then I just put it off for too long, so I watched it... I want to say, like... Uh, right before... A couple months before Halloween. I want to say.
3: Okay.
0: So, you've seen it. You weren't there during the initial craze for Red Eye.
2: Um, no. I, I was severely uh repressed okay. from horror movies in my youth <laughs> as my mom my mom did not did not like them and most of my movie watching habits came from my mom because she loved watching movies and she watched a lot of like turn classic movies she like loves like uh that kind of stuff and that's where i get that from and like she also likes westerns randomly and like action movies So I get that from her, too. Um, Good traits. Yeah. And then... And I guess my rebellious phase was when I watched horror movies in uh, my late teens. And then just hit the ground running (laughs) once that happened. Never looked back. um, Because, you know, since, as you know, I keep track of the movies I watch, and if you pretty much say from ages f- let's say 5 to 18 you know good movie watching years haven't seen a full a, a horror movie length in full at all now i've seen 550 horror movies since then from 18 to 29 wow so that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah it's pretty impressive you have those thank you you have those all logged in <laughs> letterbox
2: Yes, uh, which you need to get cracking on, Mister. I know.
0: I'm <laughs> way behind. Don't
2: we all? I begged. I begged him to get a profile, Lindsay, recently, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, all you right. need to follow me, so Thank that you I...
3: for reminding me of that
2: existence. You've mentioned yeah. it to me in the past as well. I'm just gonna beg you to get it too. To just follow me and. And you can very easily find all the podcast films that you've seen. Because those are easy ones for you to... You're like, oh, I know I've seen that. This is brilliant. And, sorry, slight tangent. Since I'm a crazy person, I have three programs that I use to track movies. And last week was the first time ever in, like, the six years that I tracked movies that all three of them match the same number of movies. So they all say, like, let's see what the number is now. Because they were all off, because I got them all at different times. So I can never get them the match. And now they all have... Uh, wow, this is such, such a lame story now, since I don't have the number on hand. <laughs> uh, 2,388 movies. Logged. That's how many movies that I think I've seen in my life.
0: It's probably more than that too, because like you're you're probably forgetting some. Like,
1: yeah, prob-
2: I'm sure, but I really combed through the last few weeks trying to figure those out. I mean, there's probably like ones deep in my memory banks that I just flat out don't remember, and I'm just not gonna count those because if I don't remember them, did I really watch them?
0: Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. you watching them anew.
2: Yeah, it's like, you know, that I watched when I was, like, three years old or whatever. Like, I just, that's what I feel like I'm missing is, like, the super early years.
0: <laughs> yeah. All the Barney you watched, they're not included yeah. in your letterbox.
2: <laughs> yeah. Whatever.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, check and subscribe to Pete's letterbox. Uh, follow him. <laughs> Uh, as well as mine, when I get it up and going, I think I have like 20 movies in there, maybe. Tops. And honestly, I was looking through Pete's collection and just going off of that. Because there's so many in there, that I was like, I've probably seen some of these, so I'll just go through here first and jog my memory. But, we digress. We're here for Red Eye. And this is the second installment of a Wes Craven movie we're doing.
1: What does it mean? my life have any purpose. At any rate, this movie surely does. It's time to discuss the horror significance.
0: And Craven, I would say, what came to prominence in the late 70s. We did Hills Have Eyes Last, Last House on the Left, which are kind of like know, more exploitation type horror movies. And then the 80s, sure. we got... He's Nightmare on Elm Street, and which was the slasher genre, and he did several others in that time period. We get The Scream in the '90s, or yeah, The Scream in the '90s, where he has the resurgence of the slasher. But this one's 2005, and I was just trying to pinpoint: Was he doing a lot of work around here? Um, in the in the I bet he was in the 2000s, but I feel like he was, and not so much. I feel like there was Scream, and then from Scream to hear. I don't really know of a lot of work from Graven in, in time period.
2: I can't really think of anything at the top of my head right now. Like, I feel like he was kind of, like, either not doing anything or hitting, like, a slump. Yeah. Kind of like all the other, like, I feel like, you know, the horror masters... You know, like Wes Craven, Carpenter, Romero, you know whoever you want to put in that category, they came into Providence around the same time. They all kind of hit a slump. I feel like around that time, like making movies for those guys in the late '90s and 2000s was hard, hard decades for them.
0: That's for sure, and I feel like with the the mid 2000s or the early 2000s. What came to prominence? So people were watching one. We did, uh, sorry, 20 days later. I kept wanting to say Red Eye because it was Killian Murphy. When 20 days later was right. like that type of zombie film, Shaun of the Dead. We did, or the found footage paranormal activities were coming into prominence around this time. And I, I do feel like that's definitely not Wes Craven's, John Carpenter's bread and butter. They're more of the the monster movies type. Type features, if you will, but this I felt fo- I felt like was kind of a departure for Craven. Um, not so much, but I feel like in anybody else's hands, this movie would have been just a straight thriller. And it is a lot of a thriller, but I feel like there's elements that there's horror to it, especially that final act. And
2: he took a five-year break. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Good. Finish your thought. No, no, no. Fin- I was finish wondering your what you
0: were. If there was, like, something with my audio, or you were, like, you were giving me, like, five, I was like... Okay, like I was you giving I you me? the number five. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah, but that, that's, I think, generally the thought is, I feel like in anybody else's hands, this would have just been, like, a straight political thriller. And there are elements that feel very much like a horror and a slasher film, especially that last half. I mean, the last act when they leave the plane. So, I th- that very much felt like West Craven.
2: Yeah, so it was Scream 3 in 2000. Uh, then he did Cursed and Red Eye the same year. Oh, wow. So Cursed is an- another horror movie. I believe that's Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Wolf movie. And then it was like My Soul to Take 2010, another five years later.
0: And then Scream 4. Which,
2: uh, yeah, and then Scream 4 before he passed. Which was 2016?
0: That sounds right. I think it was like September 2016 or something like that. Anyway. 2015. Is it, is it September?
2: It was August. Okay. I had the season right uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was the fall. <laughs> it was the fall. Yeah. The leaves were changing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we've kind of talked about Craven um, and where this kind of falls in his collection of work towards the latter half. Um, if you will, but we can kind of get into the, the movie then, if you've never seen it. I'll kind of launch into act one, the exposition.
1: Come one, come all, the movie is about to start. Gathering. Matt dishes out the details for Act 1 of this horrifying film. I hope you make it out alive until the very end.
0: Which is super interesting, because I hadn't seen this in a while, but it really felt... I don't know, like... It has a lot of humor, I feel like, in the setup of this movie. Like, a lot of campy humor or to it that I didn't really remember, but that definitely feels of the time, um, of those types of movies that were coming out. But i just kind of forgotten. Um, what comes to mind first is the, the hotel guests we meet at the Lux Atlantic, I believe is the name of that hotel that Rachel McAdams works as She she's some, I'm guessing she's some sort of manager. Yeah. The hotel manager. Yeah. And it takes place in Miami and she's coming from Texas because her grandmother passed. So we see her, she's going through an airport. She's really trying to make this red eye flight. Um, uh, because she was trying to get back to Miami, she seems very busy. Because she, we see, she receives a call from the receptionist saying she needs to help out these very obnoxious guests who are having a problem with their room. And surely enough, Rachel McAdams solves that problem. I think this is show the uh, the power she has at this establishment, which will come into play later, and how you know easy it is for her to, to work on her feet or react um, to things on the fly. Um, and she's good at that.
2: I feel like too much responsibility. I don't know. Maybe that's just my laziness talking. But like, you know, hospitality business, just not my forte. Because I'm just like, you know, like, she, like uh, w- what's her salary? Is it worth, you know, worth dealing with those kind of people?
3: <laughs> Doubt it. Yeah.
0: I guess it just depends on how popular the Lux Atlantic is or how, how swanky of a I mean we'll learn in the plot that the person who's going there is the secretary of the of homeland security so people are coming to this this hotel and who, that's true. who knows how much she makes but they do make it seem like she's she's running a, quite a show there
2: it's not enough that's what we know it's not enough we know
0: it's not enough <laughs> Yeah, for what she has to deal with, clearly, Um, as the movie goes (laughs) on. Um, But yes, she's catching a red-eye flight uh, to get back to Miami, where she receives a call from her father, who's worried about her, yada, yada, yada. And she's trying to calm him down, saying she'll be back, she needs to catch this flight. Very much a workaholic, I feel like he was telling her not to worry, and so forth. And she seems like, no, I have to do this and handle these sort of things. She meets a young gentleman named Jackson Ripner, who is played by Killian Murphy. She meets him at the airport. He's going to the same flight that she is and invites her to a drink, essentially. While they're waiting, she at first declines. And then she takes him up on the drink because they're just sitting there. Um, And so she gets to interact with him. And they share some some i don't know just some pleasantries some conversation before they enter the flight which they then figure out they're sitting right next to each other just a crazy scenario where you know it seems almost too unrealistic it almost is like a setup if you didn't watch the trailer or anything potentially for like a romantic comedy to some extent like if you will like it's it could just be like a meet cute situation where everything is meant to to work out um oh you're sitting next to me that's crazy this is not a romantic comedy. This is a horror movie by Wes Craven. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it takes a quick swerve yeah. after that.
0: And, and I think that's ultimately where the first act ends. Is where Killian Murphy, who's sitting next to her, kind of reveals that um, I know we have your father. Here's his wallet. We need you to do something for us. And it kind of flips the movie from innocent trees and trying to catch this red eye to what what the hell is going on and before I kind of relinquish it to act two and and anything you guys want to talk about DreamWorks did this movie. Do they have a deal with Dr. Phil? I'm just kind of curious because it (laughs) seemed like a plug for his new book in this this first part. Oh, have you read this book? It's Dr. Phil. And like they held it up to the camera and everything too. (laughs) Oh
2: yeah. that That was weird. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It kept coming up and resurfacing. Mm hmm. And is used almost as a plot device, really, when uh, she tries to, like... Because she, she gives this book to somebody random in the airport because the person in front of her was talking about how much she loved Dr. Phil. So she just gives her the book out uh, of the kindness of her heart. And then... Um, this kind
1: of
3: Yeah, it's kind of getting into Pete's section here. But um, she tries to slip a note to somebody, to that person that she gave the... Book two um, to try to alert her of what's going on, but uh, it got intercepted, to say the least. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Yeah, to answer your question, I absolutely think there was some sort of deal. (laughs) Most definitely. (laughs) Pete, do you want to take it away, Pete?
0: Launch us into the hijinks of Act Two of Red Eye. We're in the sky. <laughs> I love the word
3: hygiene.
1: Are you still with us? Are you going to test your luck? Do you think you can make it to the end? We will see. For now, people indulge us with some juicy act two details. It's a good one
0: fun to say it's a fun it's a fun yeah. word it's up there with shenanigans yeah, like the
3: triple i like the
0: dots so it's more of a visual thing I... than than a way it sounds yeah. will you read it
2: yeah Kind of. i kind of forgot what the second act was to be honest um besides like i know there's like a lot of attempts of her trying to get like other people's attention like um uh, like like w- it was like the light with the stewardess like she was just wasn't that like a th- I know I'm, I'm probably gonna be all jumbled here it's it's been uh two weeks since I watched the movie <laughs> um, and she does like she uses like the in-flight phone, which is so weird to see now since those are all gone hundred <laughs> <Like>, percent <that was, laughs> like that is like such a dated thing right now. And she. Is that what she tries to call her dad? Was that a little later? Like, I know she, like, makes. She even uses his phone. She does a lot. She tries very hard, like, you know, obviously, like, doing all the things she can. To... I think
3: she asks to call him, doesn't she? Yeah. To make sure that he's okay. Because he's telling her that he's okay, but she doesn't believe him. Sure. For obvious reasons, so, yeah.
0: And she loses him like in the middle of the call, where he's he. She could tell that he's okay because he's acting kind of normal and wondering about her, but then that she loses him. I think she uses she uses that phone like two or three times, and she gets actually cut off twice because they're going through like a storm. There's turbulence. Yeah. But there's one yeah. time where she tries to sell it that she's she's still on the phone, uh, but she got cut off because of turbulence, and she's trying to sell to the guy that she is on the phone with the hotel receptionist telling them to change the room of the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah,
2: that was, that yeah was a she's sparmative. very quick wooded
3: on her feet.
0: Yeah, which we learned, and I believe it's an Act 2, which is basically a, her trying to escape his clutches somehow while you're 35,000 feet in the air, trying to figure something out. Isn't it, at this point, yes, it's when they're in the, the bathroom uh, where she was trying to write a note on the, the mirror to say, the person she's sitting next to has a bomb, which is an interesting tactic, instead of saying, like, help me. She wrote the seat number down, that they have a bomb, so they would go talk to that person. But while they're in there, he sees a scar, right? Isn't that on her? Yeah. And apparently she had been... Was she attacked in the past or held at at knife point? Is that what happened?
2: I think that's what's implied, that she's been through like, an altercation before, which is why she's, like... Um, it seems like she has some kind of, like, self-defense. Obviously, we see that a little later with um during the third act. But, you know, she's... You know, she's obviously afraid, but I feel like she's handling her fear much better than I think most people would in this situation.
1: mm mm-hmm.
2: Because she's, like, trying her damnedest to, you know save her dad and the secretary.
0: Yeah. And I read from, and kudos to Rachel McAdams. I thought she was great. And I think Killian's great. And I, I read an Ebert's review of this where he was, he was talking about it And he said, you know, it, these types of thrillers lend themselves for an actor, to like really choose this, chew the scenery and overreact, uh, overact and, and try to sell it, make it a, a melodramatic thriller. But he said it really works because Rachel McAdams is super subtle in her reactions, um, and her and Killian play off each other really well. I think he his eyes really make him seem dece uh, uh, deceptive. Yeah, those eyes.
2: Absolutely, he's a really good bad guy. Like um, he just is when he like reveals like he was like watching her and stuff and like. You know, he's just like I watched you so many times order a sea breeze, and then you like, and then like that scene was so like creepy and stuff because of dude. Like, he just like, was that later? Was that, that was like during the flight, right?
3: No, yeah, no, that was the thing though. Like in the beginning, they kind of have this playful banter, you know, where he's like, "Let me try to like, you know, figure you out. I'm gonna guess what you drink," and then like, you know, he ends up. Guessing that it's a bay breeze, I think right? that's what it Yeah, a, yeah mm-hmm. bay breeze, like,
2: not sea breeze. Yeah, yeah.
3: And then she's like, Actually, I'm gonna go for a sea breeze. I'm like, I don't know the difference. Um, and then he gets so like mad about it, he's like, I've been watching you for eight weeks. Yeah, and you've not ordered nothing but a bay breeze. I'm like, Dude, you are so weird. Mm. Yeah, so yeah,
0: just
2: a good bad guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is. This is the same year that he was in Batman Begins as the Scarecrow, which started, which is the start of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. So yeah, I mean he he was really
3: starting to <laughs> see a lot of success in that
2: decade as yeah. well. Is is he the bad guy in Sunshine as well?
0: In Sunshine,
2: Danny Boyle, the other Danny Boyle movie he's in.
0: I I don't know actually. I I can't recall.
2: So like, sorry, off topic a little bit. You know, Sunshine is like a sci-fi movie. They're trying to restart the sun with
0: oh an yeah bomb. I think yeah,
2: and it's mostly a sci-fi movie, but the last third act is very like cliche horror movie. And somebody, I thought it was Killian Murphy. He's in it, yeah. Gets like he like gets burned by like the sun because they have like a sunroom. For them to, like, get, like, I don't know, vitamin D or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and then he just, like, goes insane. And then, like, I thought it was him that's, like, the bad guy for the final act of the movie.
0: It probably is. He's in that one. That makes sense that it would be him. Yeah. I think it's to say in most movies, if you see him, he's probably got a, dece- uh, a deceptive, alter- what's the word? Ulterior motive to him. I feel like he always plays that character, except in Inception that I can think of off the top of my head. He's like the victim, but he's still yeah, technically. But
2: yeah, he is. But he's like stealing. He just like yeah, he just like wants his dad to love him in that movie. That's really what it is. Yeah. uh, And he's great in Peaky Blinders, which is yeah, he really is pretty great
0: i think act two really ends when they i feel like when they land i i feel like act one is the build up to the flight yeah act two is the flight and her trying to figure out what to do and she stabs him in the throat
1: (laughs) that's when it starts to get really good Ah. in my opinion you're still here very few have made it this far it's time to make the satisfying conclusion to the scary movie. Lindsay will provide all of the events in the final act.
2: This movie feels like it has a really big budget. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like... It doesn't feel like a typical... Because, like, horror movies stereotypically have a very small budget. And... Wes Craven throws in a lot of other stuff to really make it a thrill ride. Like, he uses his... Mm-hmm your your I don't know what you want to call them but your horror movie conventions that you would have, and it's also kind of like I don't want to say action movie, but like it has like action movie ten because it's like a chase, you know, especially the third act
1: yeah
0: yeah, but even when they get and I don't yeah I don't want to spoil act three because Lindsay you can go into that, but even act three has action, but then I feel like it becomes almost slasher horror. To a little to some extent at the very end and just the conventions they use not yeah yeah
2: it's got a
3: little bit of everything
2: at the end I think yeah or it does I agree
0: which I just wanted to bring up before sorry Lindsay you, you went in that throat that throat yeah. stab that one still I don't know if it's just me but like throat stabs are always so off-putting it, it's like such a vulnerable spot where I'm always like oh
2: huh! ah uh, th- are pulling that was badass. T- pulling teeth is also another one that, like, always uh, makes me, like, Ugh, a squirm. Mm. Yeah. No thanks.
3: Yeah, that was a good move on her part. Um, so, yeah, things are really, like, picking up there in the plot at this point, I think, when she, like, you know, she, like, kind of, like, has it in her ankle, and then she does the sneak attack, and just, like, right in there and like i i felt pain when he got (laughs) stabbed you know Mm -hmm. um and the way she put it she's just very like i really admire this character um you know she she just thinks really quick and you know not everything works but you got to give her credit for constantly trying to like okay how do we get out of this situation um so you know because he kind of like questioned the scar earlier she didn't really acknowledge it and then she kind of explains that she got attacked in like a parking lot two years prior to that um by some assailant and um she promised herself that it would never happen again and um that's when he gets stabbed in the throat and then that's her opening um to get out uh the plane had landed at that point um and she takes off And, um, she also had the foresight to grab his phone, um, which was brilliant. And, you know, she hits a few snacks along the way to be expected. You know, there's people on the way. It's a plane. Um, but there's, like, a younger girl that, um, I think she could tell something was off with him because, like, she tried to go to the bathroom when they were both in there. Um, and she could tell that something wasn't right. And so she, um trips him with like her luggage as he tries to chase after Rachel McAdams or Lisa and her uh, is her character's name. Um, so she manages to, um, get away from him and kind of casually just walks into the airport, you know, cause they've got like announcements going out. Um, you know, everybody's aware of, a of a situation that needs attention. So she, you know, she's acting nonchalant, um, in the airport at this point and, um, I mean, he catches up to her, um, she gets away, just barely. Um, so, I had to rewind it at the part where she stole someone's car, um, I, like, looked away for a second and then I see her driving and then I was like, where are we? Like, how did we get here? And, um, she just stole someone's car. <laughs> but okay, right? So, um, it's police point.
2: business. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was like the worst thing. That's like really the only bad thing that she did in this movie. But, you know, after everything she spent here, I feel like it's minor. Yeah. Um, so she is able to reach um, her co-worker, Cynthia, the one that called previously um, at the beginning of the movie. Um, she's like, you have to get... Uh, Keith is his name, and his family is with him, too. So, like, the stakes were just very high. Um, She's able to reach her in time to tell her, like, you have to get the Keiths out of this newly assigned room. Um, And she's able to do that, like, literally seconds before this missile is launched from the sea. There's, like, a bunch of guys on this uh, boat in the sea, like, uh, launching this missile at the room. Um, So, everyone's able to get out the line of fire over there um obviously you know destroys uh the hotel up there in the room but everybody's okay um meanwhile lisa is driving she's trying to get to her dad at their house um and uh jack jackson ripner you know had some sort of assassin like outside of the house um throughout all of this, Um, so she, like, hits him with the car and, uh, like, kind of hits the house, too. Um, He's trying to shoot at her, of course, throughout, um, but uh, she takes him down. Thankfully, like, the dad is okay right now, and when she gets in there, um, he calls 911 seeing everything that she's been through. Um, But somehow, but not surprisingly, Jackson shows up at the house not long after. Don't know how he got there. Um, But he kind of, like, when she's not looking, when she's on the phone with Cynthia, he takes Lisa's dad out. But he's still alive. He's just out. Um, And this is where kind of the elements of horror really start to come in, like we were discussing earlier, with, you know, the slasher, with, you know, the... um, those type of elements. Um, He pursues her throughout the house. And the suspense is, like, really kind of, um, rising here. And I think, you know, you're kind of just really wanting, like, you're rooting for her, um, to gain the upper hand. And, um, so this goes on for a little bit here, um, you know, as he chases her through the house and she tries to, you know, front him off. Um, it gets to the point where he, like, throws her down a staircase, um... And, but, you know, it kind of, like, dazes her for a second, but she gets the assassin's gun. She tells him not to move, which, of course, he does, and so she shoots him. Um, so he's down, uh, but he's not out. He's still trying to kill her, um, but then her dad gets up, and he shoots him and kills Jackson. Um, and, you know, it's kind of hard to feel sorry for the dude, but... Um, so then Lisa just kind of. We wrapped things up really quickly and nicely like, here. Nice little bow. the hotel. <laughs> mm-hmm. All is well. And like the funny part, um, there was like a funny exchange um, with the like horrible customers um, that Cynthia, her coworker, was dealing with. Like it got to. <laughs> you just have to see it. But uh, there was like a she says a line where I think if anyone out there has worked in customer service, we've all wanted to say something like that. <laughs> um, you know, the customer is not always right, but, uh, it, it just cracks me up too. Um, you know, this movie, like you talked about, is was kind of littered with some funny moments. Um, despite the seriousness of the plot and, uh, like the nonchalance at the end of the movie, like, like, okay, yeah, like, what happened didn't just happen, there's no discussion, and Cynthia's like, hey, you want some champagne? And she's like, I'll have anything but a beer. And i like, we're
0: That was like, yeah, that was like the final shot, and I, I watched this with Ashley, and I remember si- hearing that, and I was, like, laughing, but then I said, the bar's still open? Didn't, didn't the, the top floor just explode? was <laughs> <laughs> Once they've closed it down for like, I don't know, a couple hours.
3: Yeah, just you know,
2: recuperate. I guess people
0: needed a drink, so
2: isn't it isn't it a crime scene? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like there's
0: no acknowledgment. Right. And you're the manager, like you should you should be like answering questions right now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was gonna bring up in, in Act Three, when like they're in the house and it's like the the hawker hawker horror movies, uh, like slasher, what you were talking about, um, I definitely feel like what distinguishes it from like a straight thriller there is probably Wes Craven's input. If it was a straight thriller, I feel like he would have been chasing her the whole time, or he would have followed him followed her in the car, and he would have been like on her tail, and it would have been like really pulse pounding. But we don't see him like he gets off the plane. We see that, and then he's like not on camera and he just and then when she comes around the corner of the house he's there and that reminds me of just like what a stalker villain like freddie or or michael would just be there around the corner you didn't hear him come in
2: i was definitely thinking of like michael myers like how he's described in like the first one like how he's just like you know what what, what's he credited as it's like the shape not the figure but yeah the shape that's what it is Mm -hmm. just like He's always there, like a almost like a supernatural being.
0: Yeah, for sure, absolutely, and i I had a question to you guys in that, that last act as well, where he's there and he's in the house and he knocks out her her dad, and he goes, "I'm coming to like finish my debt or finish the job." And he's like chasing her around the house. I was just like, "Why didn't?" I thought he was like going to kill the dad right there. And it kind of, like, threw me for a second because I was like, oh, I thought that would get her if you, like, tried to kill her dad because he just, like, leaves her. And I feel like he could have done that and, like, I guess he, the, the jig was up, so he had to kill her because she, even if he left, he oh, it's Jackson Ripper, Ripner. Uh, <laughs> right. Political espionage spy. <laughs> Go get him.
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like it doesn't make sense that he didn't kill the dad. I think that's just, yeah, writing just so that it's a it could be a happy ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: which I appreciate. But yeah, I mean, you have a point.
2: Yeah.
0: But the biggest reveal of all reveals came in Act Three, where one of the security guards for for Keith, the. What's it called? The Homeland Security Secretary of the Homeland Security. Do we know who that is? The actor.
3: I think I should, but
2: I don't. I forgot who it was.
0: Pete, this is this is a Survivor trivia for you. This is a Survivor. One of his uh, security guards, the main security guard, is Colby Donaldson from Season Two Australia, who was who was second, was in Her- oh. Heroes and Villains. I think he was in All Stars.
2: Yeah, I literally sat up yeah, from the was.
0: couch when I saw him. And I said, "Is that Colby Donaldson? He's a, he's in in a movie from Survivor."
2: Yeah, I forgot that he did like a couple. He yeah. also was like in an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm, where he gets in an argument with. Uh, this is gonna sound so bad but like a survivor of the holocaust and it is like talk about how they're both survivors oh, <laughs> it's terrible. just like so it's just so, so ridiculous
0: <laughs> oh that was that one blew my mind um but nonetheless colby donaldson everybody that's why we've been talking survivor all this time all these weeks is just to, a build-up to when we watch red eye they give him his full proms
2: that's what
0: it yeah. that's what it all boiled down to yeah you know, when i was watching this 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 definitely horror thriller. this one's like a really blends the line i think a lot we did a whole psychological horror movie uh psychological thriller slash horror subgenre earlier what i thought i mean what makes it a thriller i think is that like there's it's kind of that political espionage element to it you know when they get off the plane and there's espionage or injury all wrapped up in it um, makes it sort of that thriller. I think if this was a Wes Craven movie where he, I mean, he's in it, but I think it's a big studio. It has a lot of involvement in it too. If it was just a horror one, it would be the, the father could be involved and silly, you know, has held him hostage, but there's no outside political influence. It's just, he's like, I've been watching you for eight weeks and like, I've been stalking you, and he's like a crazed person, and like has no ulterior motive besides that's just he's unhinged. Um, and so that that seems like a crazy idea, and I feel like that wouldn't be a mass appeal to that one. <laughs> that would be a little, a little too much. But having those other elements in the background make it a thriller. But I digress. That's the movie, Lindsay. Do you have any trivia? Any bits of knowledge to hit us up
1: with on Red Eye. You made it. They've finished discussing the plot of this terrifying movie. Onward to the fun bits of trivia and production for this film.
3: I dug up a few. So. I find um, all of this pretty interesting. Hope you do too. Um, so. I guess killian murphy like really 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 wanted to be jackson um to the point where he like flew from england to hollywood like two days before his own wedding um to have lunch with wes craven um and i find this interesting um you know craven said that he later gave him the part because um killian murphy's eyes won him over as we kind of mentioned, so, you know, I guess genes were to thank for that, like, but no offense, Killian Murphy, I can see why, like, his eyes are kind of cold-looking, and um, he really manages to play that up somehow in this movie, like, very convincing.
0: Yeah, like, he's a good actor, I think, but also, when you have those genes, you said that, like, those eyes are, they can be very menacing, so, just play that part, and you're set for that type for a while.
3: Mhm. Yeah, it worked in his favor um, this time for sure. Um, so, something kind of interesting, um, they printed like fake airline tickets, obviously, like for uh, the passengers in the movie to carry, and um, on the back was listed like the 12 terms and conditions for buying the ticket, you know, just like a actual one but um i guess the very last one the 12th line read all the I'm quote all the provisions of this passenger ticket and pack baggage claim check are completely bogus it's all a bunch of excessive detail and if you happen to be reading this you've got too much time in your hands bring a good book next time so that's fun
1: mm-hmm.
3: um you know i kind of love like the stuff that they sneak in there
0: it definitely seems like a um, a west craven he might not have wrote it himself, but that seems like something, his humor, I feel like. Especially with...
3: <laughs> <move>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. Um, now... <laughs> uh, okay, so at the beginning of the movie, as we um, kind of talked about, there's like this couple that's just like, you know, today we would call them, at least you know, the wife, we would call her Karen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the husband's, like, really not much better. I don't know. Uh, Craig?
0: Craig anyway, and Karen? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Wes Craven reveals in, like, kind of the making of, of this movie. Um, so, that actress, that lady that plays that uh, customer in the beginning and end of the film, um, Craven met her at some meeting, um, and he got the feeling that she would make a great like, mad customer from her persona. <laughs>
2: um,
3: and, like, approached her and, like, asked her to be in this movie. Uh, she was like, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, not really sure if that's a compliment, but um, that definitely worked out. I think I think uh, she was very good. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So, I have a little bonus because um, I find this very interesting. There were a lot of people that were Cons- like actors and actresses that were considered um for the main two roles um so those of whom that were in talks for the role of lisa um among rachel mcadams were people like nev campbell um jennifer Connolly, claire danes um rachel weiss and amanda pete um and then actors up for murphy's role. Um, Kevin Bacon, Michael Pitt, Edward Norton, Ray Liotta. And personally, I think that Ray Liotta would have killed it after seeing him in one of my favorite movies, Heartbreakers. He's absolutely uh, brilliant in that, and he would have done well as well. But um, honestly, I mean, I, I really feel like the two actors that were picked had the best. I don't know if chemistry is quite the right word. Cause it's not, you know, like that, but. Um, I I think it is,
2: I think it could be considered chemistry, even though it's not, like, romantic. It's just, like, you know, it's just, like, they have a good flow. I think it's just, like, um, you know, it seemed like they enjoyed working together, because it did, like, translate well on the big screen.
3: Agree.
0: Yeah, I agree as well.
3: But yeah, that's
0: it for me, for this week, with trivia. And Pete, you mentioned earlier, I think it was in reference to, you, you said it felt like a big budget movie, right? Is that what you said? Or a lot of money behind it?
2: I said I said it felt like a big budget movie to me. It's. Uh, I think it's probably, I would assume it's probably his movie that has the biggest budget. like.
0: It could have. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at it. Probably at this point. He probably, whatever he wanted almost, if he needed it. But I was reading, I just happened to read this today. It was funny you mentioned that. This had like, I thought it was like a $40 million budget or something like that. But they scaled it back to like 26. It was 40 something, so they scaled it down. Still probably, definitely higher than many of his movies. Maybe not like the later Scream movies, but. Yeah, they cut it back quite a bit. And it just seems like he didn't, it's not a lot of sets really. I mean it's it's one location for most of the film until that final scene. So you're not moving around all that much. What do you guys know if it was a success based on I told $26 million budget. Do you think it made it back and was it sort of a box office success?
2: It definitely yes. it definitely was a box office success. I know that is a fact. Critically <laughs> as well, I believe.
3: It did well on both ends.
0: It did. Uh, it ninety two million. Uh, sorry, ninety six million was the box office. So it definitely made back its money and then some, and critically and like commercially. I think like critics liked it. I read Ebert's earlier today, uh, his review about the movie. And Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. Most people liked it. Like they thought they enjoyed it and thought it was a a sleek economic thriller that was entertaining throughout with great performances and good direction and audio like. Commercial audiences like that. I, I was what 12 or 13 when this came out, and I remember liking it. I had not seen as many movies back yeah. then as I have today.
2: Scream, Scream 4 is, I think, might be as high as with 40 million. Yeah.
0: Which, that makes more Scream 5, what's up? It's coming.
3: Are we getting enough this year? Yeah, I don't know.
0: It's probably 2022. I'd have to look again, but Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette are all signed on. So that is happening, Stream 5. First one without Wes Craven, though, so it'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, I wonder who's going to take the the helm.
0: I wonder if they just, and this is speculation, but I wonder if they just give it to Kevin Williamson, who wrote all of them. And I'm pretty sure he's directed, too.
2: I mean... I mean, yeah, you might as well just give it to him. Honestly,
0: I feel like he—he's I mean, been there the whole time and knows the source material that he might do it better than someone else coming in. But who knows? Or give That's give it like, to Roger uh, Roger Eggers, see what he does. <laughs> isn't
2: that or like Jordan uh, Peele, what's like his that? name? Sorry,
0: Go ahead.
2: I was thinking that like how was it like totally different? But Keanu Reeves with the John Wick movies, isn't it like his like stunt like. Not stunt double, but, like, the person who, like, trains him to do all the physical stunts, he's like, oh, yeah, you could direct my my three John Wick movies.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's no other uh, trivia questions or things you guys want to bring up, we can kind of go into our defend or destroy of Red Eye.
1: We've reached the conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. You have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy.
2: Let's do it. Lindsay, it's your pick, so you start us off.
3: Alright, hot take. Um... I don't think it's going to be that surprising. Um, I love them both in this. I think it's a really good thriller. Um, You know, I love our heroine, who's really quick on her feet. Um, You know, in the end, saving her life as well as almost everyone else's. Um, It's tight and precise. Um, This movie doesn't drag on for too long, which is always a big thing for me. Um, It gets right to the point. Um, I would have liked to have seen this movie in theaters. I think that would have been really cool, especially you know, um, just kind of as suspense build to the third act. Um, it's a defend for sure for me. Uh, Murphy does a great job and very convincing as the villain, and uh, McAdams does just as well being the protagonist. So um, I I loved it. So.
1: All right,
0: that is a defend, Lindsay. I guess if we're going alphabetical still, it'd be me. So we can keep that from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it has been a long time since I've seen this. Um, so it was fun coming back to it. I remember watching it when I was much younger. And I agree with Lindsay's point about... it. This is a, a fast-paced, tension-filled thriller. And how those work is you don't drag it on. And it was it's under an hour and a half. It's 85 minutes. So it's a quick movie. And... I think it it works. I mean, there's it's very well. I was gonna say flawlessly, but I'm sure there's something. But it's very. I mean, great acting. The direction from Craven keeps it really tight, and then the, the movie's short enough that it's like you're there and gripped the whole time. There's no pacing where not something's going on, or you're not nervous about what's going to happen to Lisa. So that's really well done um, on all those fronts. Um, I think this plays well um, into. What did i talk uh i wrote this blog a while ago um talking about wes craven's movies in particular and i i referenced red eye in that blog um for its catharsis element of horror i had like eight theories about horror and i said um one of the the main elements of a good horror movie or why people um might enjoy it is because of the catharsis theory um which i'm sure you can kind of pick up on but it just kind of relieves some anxieties or, or tensions the audience might have. They they go to go to a horror movie to have see scary stories, and so um, they go there. And it's nice when though you can get that relief in these movies. And this one is, plays on those strings very well, where it's tense, it is suspenseful, and then you get those breathers. It's like on and off, on and off, and it's really really well done. Um, so I wanted to get that in there, and the final part. An uh, Ebert's review, I wanted to to mention that I think this movie does well, is it works because it is reserved, is how he put it, is where it doesn't go over the top, where it very easily could have through the acting or the plot. Um, it's just smooth, short, sleek, um, and that's all it needed. That's all it needed to be entertaining, just to keep keep it simple, keep it simple. Um and it was it was good. So with that I will destroy Red Eye. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me for a
3: second.
0: I definitely defend it. it was it was a good rewatch. I had forgot about it, so I'll defend.
2: Nice. All
3: right,
0: round um,
2: us out. I'm also gonna defend it. I would say it's not a resounding defend. Um but I mean like there's not like really like too many knocks I can really do to it i think just for me it's not one of my favorite cravens which is why it's not like our resounding like defend but like i'm not gonna hold that movie to that kind of standard because like you know it's hard to like you know when you're thinking about like nightmare and elm street or scream which are like you know one of the, you know you could say like one of the most popular movie horror movies of all, all time it's really hard to compare it to that um, but it does have really good pacing, and like, it's not a boring movie by any means, and it's just a good old time.
0: Yeah, so that's a unanimous defend then from everybody, which is nice. And I think just to add to that, like, what I didn't say is, it is horror. It definitely it falls into horror, but it's like on the the line of thriller. So I think it it hits a mass audience. So people who like horror will enjoy it, but people who are just into thrillers or action thrillers you'll get entertainment out of it as well. So it hits a wide audience, which is always, I, mean, I guess good. That's why it's a, uh, it made back its money, I guess. That's why it tripled its budget. But that, I guess that concludes it, uh, for the records on red eye unanimous defend. If you're looking to watch it, watch it on Amazon prime. I'm sure it's on like Google play and iTunes. Uh, you can own it like Lindsay owned it so that's one way you can watch it is there any other way Pete did you watch it through a streaming service or did you
2: i watched it on amazon i watched it on amazon amazon
0: okay so it's at least through i know like iTunes google and, and amazon You're, you can easily find right out on there it's on Shutter. Um, i checked but we will leave you with that before we leave with the outro here we have one more craven movie so stay tuned for that in our little trilogy but I would I would ask you guys for homework for next time. It'll be our last Craven. I I would love to know what your favorite Craven movie is. What Craven are you Craven? So we're gonna be doing three, but like which one, if we didn't do it, is one of your favorites? Since we're gonna be rounding out the little genre of West Craven films. But I'll leave you with that. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Get at us on our Facebook, our Twitter. Uh, our website. We love hearing from you guys. Like and subscribe, review. It really helps us get out there listening to us. We really appreciate it. Check out our blog. Any of our previous episodes where we're talking about other Craven films, as we've done previous Craven films. If you want to go look back to our uh, you know, discography, our library. Our library. If you want to look back to our library, there's more in there. But until next time, I am Matt Johnson. Now am the Shadows.
2: I'm Peter Hansen, and I don't have a snappy thing that I could say.
3: <laughs> uh, I'm Lindsay far and I'll uh, have anything but a baby. Hey!